Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. It's just Jeff and I, and we're going to talk tryouts. This is something that we've briefly touched on uh, quite a bit, actually, I feel like on the podcast, but it's a, it's a question that we get all the time from coaches, from players, from parents, and everybody in between. It's just uh, such a stressful time for so many people. There's so much that goes into tryouts from every side of it, from parents, players, and coaches. And so we thought we would take some time to talk some tryouts. Junior tryouts are going on right now. Uh, there's a lot of kids that are trying to find a spot to play and trying to make teams. So uh, we thought we'd talk about it, give some tips from every way that we can and go from there. So before we do get into it, let's introduce the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Jehu Levecchio. Fex, what's up today? Not much, Toski. I'm just uh, shirtless and on a Zoom call with you, man. And the sky is also blue <laughs> and grass is green. And, uh, yeah, bears poop in the woods. So, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody would be shocked to hear that. No, certainly, uh, uh least of all you. <laughs> so how was your weekend? It was good. Well, I mean, it wasn't great, but, uh, you know, perspective it's better than a lot of other people's weekends in the world, I'm sure. So not a big deal, but I go to Starbucks yesterday. I have two young teams I work with on Saturday mornings now. Uh, for this off season. And so I get up nice and early. My girlfriend and I, we go to Starbucks at like seven 30, come back. We're going to walk the dogs before I go to the, the first session with the first team, put the key in the door. And it's like, not really like working. And I've had a problem with this door ever since I moved in. It's killing me. And I just was like, I tried to like, really like give, give it, you know, the old college try there and just bang, snap the key off in my hand. No. And the two dogs are running around and I have a puppy and I'm just now starting to let him like roam free when I go on like a short outing, such as going to grab the coffee. And I'm like, oh God, like, you know, it's 745 in the morning or something. I'm like, well, how long is it going to take for maintenance to get the home, get here? Took like an hour. I wound up having to cancel the, the session with the kids. So that absolutely sucked. I felt so bad about that. Um, it was just not cool at all for that. I never cancel. So that was... Uh, that was annoying and felt bad. But then right after that, Sean Muncy has been on our podcast yesterday, put on a little financial seminar. The first one for my guys kind of just getting them interested and in thinking about like finances and what's a, like stuff as simple as like, what's a stock, what's a bond, you know, all these different things, what's a mutual fund and what's a hedge fund. And literally just like laying out things, trying to help my guys just like learn some stuff outside of the game of hockey that can make them better. 
And so that was really cool. That was our first of like four or five that he's putting on. And uh, I learned a lot. So that was really cool. The months, man. I like it. I, <laughs> it was so funny how you were talking about uh, perspective and how other people's problems might not be, you know, are, are bigger than yours. And the first thing you said is, and so I woke up and went to Starbucks. <laughs> it's just like the perfect, the perfect start to like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. My, my problems aren't real. So that's why like I, I used to like flip out about stuff like it's like, Oh my God. Like, but it's something out of my control. I literally can't control. It. And I was like, I can't like get stressed out. I can't get mad. I took 10 deep breaths, kind of laughed about the whole situation. You know, I apologized to, to the, the guy who set up, set up the team workouts and set, sent them a video and said, please send this to all the families. I'm so sorry. Um, but you know, I, I can't control that stuff. So, you know, a little mental health, mental health check there took 10 deep breaths and I let it go. Let it go. Oh my God. When I hear let it go, I do not think of that. I think of frozen. I am in the thick of actually today is father's day. Today is father's okay. day. So happy father's day to all of the, the great dads out there. I actually saw your dad today had uh, breakfast over at grandma's house and they're in town for my dad's 60th birthday, which was last night. So uh, it was a great, great family weekend. Unbelievable having the ability to be in Chicago and, and do all that stuff again. So uh, very, very cool to see some family again, perspective, grateful check uh, to do that. And my, uh, my kids, AKA my wife actually got me rollerblades for father's day. Wow. I have not okay. been on rollerblades in I don't, I can't even tell you how long, like I literally could not remember the last time I was on rollerblades, but I put them on uh, just right here in the neighborhood and I was picking up my kids and just like rollerblading down the street and they were loving it. It was unreal. So Basically, you're Gordon Bombay in D2. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to go find a game and go find some kids for Team USA. It'll be fun. <laughs> That's unreal. I love that they got your rollerblades. What kind? Uh, just like Bowers. They're like literally, they look like hockey skates, but they just have wheels underneath them. So they've come a long way <laughs> in, uh, in their blade technology. So it was, uh, it was really cool. So happy Father's Day to all the hockey dads out there, even you crazy ones, and you know who you are when you're listening. So um, happy Father's Day. Dads do a ton for, uh, for the kids. And um, yeah, it's just a grateful check for sure. Love it. Happy All Father's right. Day, Dad. Love you, Dad. <laughs> I love you, Dad. If you know that movie line, good for you. Awesome. We could be friends. And uh, before we do get over to the chunk of the podcast where we're going to talk about tryouts, and we'll go over that in a little bit, we do have some people to thank before we do. First people we want to thank is our title sponsor in Gelstix, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. And go there for your weighted training sticks, or if you're a lacrosse player as well, they got some awesome lacrosse sticks to help you train. And uh, they also have a golf line out there to help you train in golf. And I actually went golfing with my dad for Father's Day yesterday. And uh, I can use some training aids when it comes to playing golf. Amazing, Not an amazing golf ball whacker guy as of right now. But hopefully, uh, maybe I can get some gel sticks and, and get there. But go to GELSTX.com, enter the coupon t- coupon code THINKTANK, one word, and you can get a huge discount off your weighted training aids. Where were you on that one, dipshit? <laughs> <laughs> the caddy oh good the caddy who was the guy i can't remember what his name was but he was a young guy that was on tour that was up there i think it was the masters and he legitimately looked like happy gilmore's caddy 
did you see this on social media? Yeah, I feel Adam like I Sandler, did actually. Yeah, so Adam Sandler put put a post out there, some of the effect of like, thanks for helping Happy Gilmore around or something like that. Or it was and then the kid he actually came back and said something, but unbelievable. Anytime you can throw a happy Gilmore line into this uh this podcast, I'm a very happy man. Like, I mean, honestly, like if you listen to this podcast and you haven't seen Happy Gilmore, take yourself to the vet and ask to be put down. But also, like, you that is a must watch. If you play hockey, you must watch Happy Gilmore. It is unbelievable. And I don't care how well, I guess, you know, how old I don't know how old kids gotta be to watch that movie, but like that's a that's a must watch if you are into hockey. So please, young bucks, go watch that when you're of the right age that I don't know for that movie. Every time I go golfing, I feel, and sometimes I do say it, but you go up to the the person to pay for your round before you go out there, be like, I'm a hockey player, but I'm here to play golf today. <laughs> I literally say that like every day in the gym. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you to Gel Sticks. Nice little happy Gilmore tangent right there. Uh, thank you to Train Heroic, Jeff's training app. He has all these teams that he's working with now. He's got all these people that are doing train with me, literally thousands of people that have downloaded the app on their phone and look for Ripped Hockey, R-I-P-T, not R-I-P-P-E-D, and look for Jeff Levecchio's workouts, also as a Hot Moms workout, uh, which has been very, very successful as well. So all you moms out there that want to get some workouts in with Jeff, uh, you can. And so go to your phone, go to your app store and download Train Heroic to get those. We also want to thank icehockeysystems.com. It is your go-to place for anybody and everybody to get better, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, whether you're a parent. Uh, We have partnered with them in an association platform. And so if you are a hockey director or you're even a parent, um, that thinks this would be good for your entire organization. You can purchase this for all of the coaches and the parents of your organization for one small, small price. And what you get with it is you get all of these different drills, over thousand drills, uh, in a drill share, you get draw drill, uh, draw, drill drawing software where you can actually go in and draw your drills and then you can practice plan and send them to your players or send them to your coaches before practice. So they know what they're going to do. And along with that, you also get systems breakdowns from people like myself, Dwayne Blay, who we've had on the podcast, Ben Eves, who we've had on the podcast and a guy named Dennis Savard, who is a NHL hockey hall of famer, also a former NHL head coach with the Chicago Blackhawks. Not done yet. You also get our hockey think tank parent survival guide. So again, this is a for everybody platform. So it's not just about making the coaches better. It's about uh, allowing your parents to understand the process of, of youth hockey even more as well. So you get free access to our hockey parent survival guide. So go to icehockeysystems.com and look up the association page and you can get this for your entire organization. So uh, very, very grateful for their partnership as well. And, uh, those have been flying off the shelves. So if you're out there and you want to get this for your organization, again, very, very little for huge, huge reward. I love it. That thing is so nasty. Like <laughs> it's pretty I, cool, right? It, it, it honestly, like I just think back to all the people that could have really used that uh, growing up, man, like it, it's unbelievable. So cool. You did that. Oh, it's, it's uh it's a team effort, man. It's a team effort. You're on our parent survival guide and uh, talking about the off ice component to it. And there's just so much awesomeness that, that comes with ice hockey systems and what they've brought to the table, the amount of really successful and high thinking 
uh, high level thinking hockey people that are drawing drills and doing breakdowns and all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, you can't help but get better your entire organization by doing that. So thanks to those guys as well. Thank you to all of our listeners. We absolutely love you guys. Our podcast continues to grow. It was funny. I was talking to somebody today and, uh, you know, one of the things about a podcast is we talk about resiliency sometimes and how important that is. I almost feel like doing this podcast has helped us become a little bit more resilient because, for those that don't know, like, this is not easy to do. <laughs> this is not easy to do. The, the hour or so that we actually do this is phenomenal and fantastic, and we absolutely love it. But with Jeff's busy schedule, with my busy schedule, we have to do not only a, <laughs> an hour-long interview or, or talk, but we also got to do an intro, and we usually do those on different days because it's, uh, you know, just, just busy busyness of, of our schedules. Um, and we've just really, really tried to be extremely, extremely consistent with this and the consistency of what we do. It's because of you. We continue to do this. We continue to grind it out. We continue to try to bring the best people on and talk about the best possible topics to, to help and give a value to the hockey world. And so, um, you know, the resiliency factor is something that we're really, really doing, especially in the summertime when Jeff is literally going from like 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day in the gym. And we got to find some time to do this. So uh, we, we so appreciate all of your feedback. If you can do something for us and shoot us a rating and shoot us a review, uh, provide us some feedback, even in an email to us, what you want to hear, some guests you might want to have on. Uh, we just relish those conversations and uh, we appreciate everybody that reaches out and we're going to continue to grind this out. I, I heard a, a line actually it was Butchergrass. John Butchergrass said a line. He was on uh, a podcast that we've been on. It's called Next Shift Podcast. And it was really interesting because he talked about life is usually played in the corners. And the reason why he said that is because like the corner is where you go to battle. The corner corners are where you go to grind and it's not always easy. It's kind of messy. Usually the person that wants it the most is going to come out with the puck. And it's like, what a great metaphor for life. Like life is played in the corners and it's so true. And I feel like the older I get, the more I understand and appreciate that because the more responsibility you have, um, especially when you have kids and a family and everything, I just thought that was a really, really interesting, like, metaphor you know dude i absolutely love that i want to put that in my gym like right now i'm gonna call my guy and be like hey come paint this on the wall like i i love that saying absolutely love that saying it's so badass <laughs> it really is right so i'm gonna i'm gonna paint that on my wall too my <laughs> mental wall um i don't have a physical wall but that's okay uh okay you ready to go talk about some tryouts let's get after it <laughs> Do you know what that just sounded like? You remember those celebrity death matches way back in the day where that ref, the, the clay guy was like, all right, and let's get it on. Unbe oh, unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> I saw one of those like randomly on YouTube or something. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot about these. Those were unreal back in the day. Those were like legitimately must watch shows. Dude, MTV used to slap and I don't even know what it does now. Like I don't, I don't even have cable anymore. So I couldn't tell you what goes on on that channel. But I remember like, 10 years ago, I was like, ew, this is so not what it was when we were kids. Like, I had so much fun <laughs> with all the shows and all the music videos. And then it got into, like, so much drama and stupid stuff, not about music. And I was like, bull. You're going to have to explain to the older listeners what slap it means. But I'll just That's say a good it thing. means it was really good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Didn't know that one. Okay, so talking about tryouts here and we're going to go at it from, from four different vantage points. So we're going to give a little bit of rhyme and reason uh, to what we're talking about here. And so the first one we're going to talk about is just advice to players and preparation for players going into tryouts. The second one is we're going to talk about uh, from like a scouting slash evaluation standpoint, what we're kind of looking for, how we view it, what we want to see in players and tryouts and things like that. Number three, we're going to talk about like if we had a program that was running tryouts and we had two days to run tryouts, how would we do it? Would we scrimmage the whole time? Would we do skill stuff? Would we break it down? Would we go forward these splits? And, and Vex and I are going to talk about what we would do if we had the keys to that castle. And then the fourth thing we'll talk about is just like the tryout process in terms of the tryouts in the spring versus the tryouts in the fall, the rules that we have within USA Hockey and, and Hockey Canada and things like that in terms of actually the way we can go about forming our teams and putting tryouts together. And, and there's obviously a, a lot of concert and there's a lot of like uh, angst when it comes to, to those things and a lot of different opinions. So we're going to talk about that as well. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this, Vex. So let's start it off with some player prep, man. Like talk to the players out there. Talk to the players that are going out there and they want to make a team. They want to make an impact in tryouts. They want to be seen by the coaches. What is some advice that you would give to these men or women or boys or girls as they go into their tryout weeks? Well, I would say first and foremost, work backwards. And what that means is you look at when the tryout date is. Let's say July 1st, just because that's an easy first date. July 1st is your first tryout. This doesn't matter if you're talking about midgets or bantams or if you're really serious, peewees, and you want to like really make it a step up. Um, juniors, like whatever, men, women, it really doesn't matter but you work backwards. Tryouts are July 1st, so that's when you want to feel your best, which is hard in the youth ages because we have these stupid tryouts in the middle or beginning of summer instead of the end, which doesn't really make sense to me from a physical maturation standpoint, but I digress. So July 1st is when you got a peak um, for tryouts, so then we work backwards. So I would say you should be skating probably four times, five times the week before. And the week before that, maybe, you know, depending on your age and when your season ended previously, like four times, week before that, three, week before that, three, two, two, and you offset your workouts the opposite way. As you get closer, you wean, your, you wean down your workouts, but further away. So you had a five-week uh, lead up where you can ramp up. You're more in the gym and less on the ice. And then as we get closer and closer to that tryout, your work, you can still be in the gym, but your workout should be reflecting that you're skating more and getting ready to be a hockey player because you want to be your best. You want to bring your best to tryouts. So you don't want to just be killing yourself on the ice and off the ice all day, every day for five, six weeks leading up to it, you run out of gas. So from a prep standpoint, physically, that's what I would say you should be doing. But how about mentally? What do you think they should be doing mentally? Till? Well, I think mentally there's a couple things going in that I think are really important and the first thing is, is you got to be the best version of you 
<laughs> when you're going to a tryout, you know, like if you're a goal scorer, then you got to focus on scoring goals. If you're a playmaker, you got to focus on making plays and trying to get some, some assists and, and whatnot. If you're a grinder, you got to go in and be the best grinder that you can be. And uh, I know it, like at the older levels where role identification is a little bit more important, that's a little bit more tailored towards, towards those players. But at the same time, like you just got to play to your strengths. You have to play to your strengths because those are the things that are really going to stand out in a tryout are your strengths. And so if maybe you're not the most skilled player in the world, you better be the most competitive player out on the ice because that has to be, that's the role that you're going to play on that team. If you're a goal scorer, you got to make sure that you're bearing down every time you get into that zone and there's an opportunity for some offense because that's how you are going to make an impact on your team, especially at the older levels coaches have a really good idea of who you are before you even, you know, end up at, uh, at the tryouts. So if you can continue to, um, project and you can continue to be that best version of you of what people already think that you are. I think that's a really, really important thing. I've seen too many people at tryouts try to be something that they're not because they're trying to impress, whether that's trying to beat every single person one-on-one or, you know, just, just things like that, that makes it a little bit more selfish and individual of a game rather just than playing hockey and being the best version of you. And I don't know if that's something that you've seen or something that you talk about with the players, but I just think that that's a a really important one. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Yeah. A kid recently messaged me and was like, how do I make a junior team? And I was like, well, you got to show the best you that there is. So like whatever you bring to the table, whatever your, your game is like, be that best you. And something that uh, that I think a lot of people need to do, you know, obviously depending on the age, but if we're talking juniors, you kind of got to identify what you're going in as because, like you said, at the older ages, now it's kind of about what role do you fill for me? What role do you fill for my team? And so, you know, you got to know what role that you can play and excel at, and and that also depends on what year you are. Like my role going in my first year compared to my role my third year was quite a bit different. I don't know about you. Um, so as a veteran guy coming back, you kind of know that a little bit more. So experience plays into this. And that's why I tell my 16 year old guys, Hey, go to one junior tryout. Um, like just go to one or even 15, like, you know, whenever they start going to, I'm like, go to one, even if you're not, we, we know you're not ready. Like, I don't want you playing juniors next year, but I want you to go to one so that you'll have experience feeling that pressure, feeling that intensity, feeling what it's like to play against guys three, four, five years older than you. Cause that's a big difference if we're talking about juniors. Big time. No, I think that's uh that's a great point. And just kind of going along with that. I, I really like that. What you said. And I just want to reiterate, go to a trial camp, even if you know, you're not going to make the team just being there and seeing it and feeling it. And I think it's also good from an evaluation standpoint, because you can kind of see where you fit how far away am I from this level? How good are these USHL kids or North American league kids or OHL kids? How good are they? And how far am I away from that? And what do they do really well that I need to get better at, you know, when, when I go home for the rest of the summer and what do I need to work on next year? So I just think seeing it and feeling it and being able to put yourself in a situation where you kind of know where you stand. I think that's always a good thing for kids too. Dude, I think that's, 
that's the best thing that I think we've said yet is, you know, when you're younger and I still remember like I was still playing pro. It might've been like my eighth or probably my eighth year. And I remember I was training this kid who was like 15, 16 playing midgets, maybe 16, 17. And he was like, yeah, dude, if you rip up the U show, you're going to the NHL. And I was like, what's the U show? First of all, the show is the show. The show is the NHL. What is the U show? Oh, the USHL. Yeah. If you rip up the USHL, you're definitely playing in the NHL. And I was like, is that what you think? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, you are so wrong. It's insane. Get out of my gym. No, I obviously didn't kick him out, but, um, you are awarded no points and and God have mercy on your soul. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to that. But yeah, (laughs) dude, I was just like, Oh my God. Like, that is not what it's about. Like, yes, the league is really good, but that like, there are so many more levels, but then it just made me think like these kids have no idea how good that league is. They have no idea how hard it is to do well in that league, to make that league. How many other junior leagues are so good? The NA, the BC, the Eastern junior league, like so many good junior leagues in the U S and, and guys don't make teams, you know, thousands of guys don't make teams. It's very hard. So if you're younger, like you said, you need to go to a USHL trial or a BC or an NA, one of the top level leagues um, to see how good those guys are. And it will literally make you go, wow, I've got to do blank if I'm going to try and make this jump next year. And then you'll have that thing to look up to all season long for the next season. Wow. I really noticed I was getting bullied around and pushed around in the corners. I wasn't strong enough. So now you have a full year with that in mind. And that is your why when you're practicing, when you're in the gym training all season, Instead of the guy who's never been there and just thinks he's going to rip it up because he scored 50 goals in midgets, which doesn't mean anything. The next level is so much better. So I, I, I really wanted to hammer that point home. I hope parents hear that. I hope coaches hear that. I hope any players that listen to that uh, um, hear that listen because that will help you big time to define what you need to do during the next season to try and make that jump to whatever level it is that you're trying to get to. I think that's such a good point that I want to reiterate too, because I coach midget hockey and I have for a couple of years now. And it's almost like there's, there's this kind of like mentality of, you know, yeah, the USHL is really good or major juniors really good. And you know what, if I don't make those teams then I'll just play in the NA or I'll just play in the BC league, or if you're in Ontario, I'll play in the ocean. Like guys, you have no idea how good those leagues are. There are, hundreds of thousands of kids that are your age that have the same dream that you do and it ain't easy. So don't just rest on your laurels and think, Oh, if this doesn't happen, then I'll just, there's a fallback plan here. It's the same thing with college hockey. Oh, you know, if I don't play D one, I'll just, you know, I'll just sign on with a D three team. No big deal. It's like, no D three is really good hockey too. So when you're doing this stuff and you go to some of these junior trouts, if you're of age, you better compete. And that was the other thing I want to say in in player preparation is like, you better compete. You better compete. And that should be in your visualization, in your preparation and whatever you're doing, because that's one of the unfortunate things about tryouts being quote unquote tryouts nowadays for a lot of different teams is that the the competitiveness in tryouts is terrible because the teams are semi-picked or mostly picked before the tryouts even happen. And what happens is the people who know that they're already on the team go in there and it's a fun little skate for them. And they're just yucking it up and yada, yada, yada. And it's not that big of a deal. And that rattles me so (laughs) much because that's not what it's about. It should be about making a team. 
and not the entitlement of already being recruited to, to be on this team, you know? And, and I remember like when I was in, it was Hastings was probably the same way in Omaha, but every single junior hockey tryout that I went to after the second day, or maybe even the first day, the head coach brought everybody in that played on the team last year and absolutely ripped us because this is a tryout and you guys are acting entitled and you need to be the leaders out here and you need to compete. And then usually back when we were playing juniors, there was probably two or three fights a game for the next day, you know? Um, Bing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it just like, that's the one thing that I, I really don't like about the tryouts being so, you know, close to the spring and it being more of a recruiting thing is because that they, that entitlement does it, it kind of creeps in and, and kids don't know how to make a team. And when you get to the junior level and you get the pros, you're always trying out, you know, you always got to prove yourself every day. And so if you don't have that mentality and you haven't had the reps of trying to prove yourself, then you're not in a good spot. And, and, and I know that's a little bit bigger of a, of an issue that we're talking about than tryouts, but I do think there is, some kind of similarity there in terms of the mindset, but kids compete. You have to compete. That is something that can separate you from everybody else. If you go out there and you work harder than everybody else and you compete harder than anybody else, you're putting yourself in a position to make a team because that is something that is in your control. Your talent's not in your control uh, to a certain extent. Some of it is, but a lot of it is not. And so if you can focus on the things that you can control, like your work ethic, your body language, your attitude, then that, that could be something that can, you know, ultimately if there's two spots, maybe there's only two spots on the team, but maybe those two spots, the coaches want to fill with a great kid who might be a third or fourth line player. And that's what their role is going to be. But you absolutely worked your bag off. And that coach knows that that person's going to be a culture guy or girl in the locker room. Hey, you're putting yourself in a better position to make a team than if you're acting entitled, like you already made the team or you're not working hard. Rant over. Go. Love it. Boom. Mic drop. You know what I love about that? I feel like two cheat codes to get you noticed. If you're, if you really want to like make a team, especially in the junior levels, change hard every single time because nobody's out there changing like full speed sprint to the bench. It's just something that always sticks out. I feel like to coaches and then back check your ass off, like full speed back check, obviously identify and know what you're doing. But like, if you do those two things, you will stand out. No matter who you are, you will stand out because everybody's not doing those all the time. They don't think about it. And juniors, juniors, midgets, like you got to play defense to win. It's those little tiny things, really good changes. And those just prove that you pay attention to the details. So I think that that is, is really important. I also want to tell a quick story because I love that you said, you know, most junior tryouts back when we were playing, guys would get ripped. The veterans would get ripped by the coaches that happened in Omaha every single year. And I think it was my second year. I've told this on the podcast before, but not everybody listens to every episode. This is my second year after the, we played two halves in uh, training camp. And after like the second game, first game, I don't even remember, coach comes and grabs me and another veteran from the year before, rips us, absolutely rips us in front of like other people. Just like, you need to be better, blah, blah. And we knew what it meant. Like, you need to be leaders. You can't let anyone push you around, blah, blah, blah. And neither one of us are like fighters or tough guys. So we go out there and we're both trying to like run everyone over and stop on the dime and just do every little thing. But we know like we should probably fight somebody, each of us. We're on different teams. And so I'm asking everybody to fight on their team. He's asking everybody to fight on our team. Nobody was saying yes. 
And so it's getting toward the end of the period. And so his name is Corey Carlson, one of playing at uh, University of Vermont, really good player. We're skating up the ice, back checking like towards towards my end, and we're talking. We're like, Fix, nobody will fight me. I'm like, CC, nobody will fight me either. Like, what the hell? And he just looks at me as we're skating full speed, like mid-play. Should we fight each other? And I just look at him and I go, yep, square up. And he's like, yep. And we just step back, throw our gloves off, and Come just on. start fighting <laughs> each other. That is so ridiculous. Like every the world slowed down and we're just like skating it. Nobody will fight me. Nobody will fight me. Should we fight each other? And we're like, yep, just skate it back, checking like something I will never forget. Like so funny. So let me ask you this. So at a lot of these tryout camps at the junior level, you'll have, you know, some college scouts there, maybe even some pro scouts there if they don't have much going on. Um, do you think if you fight somebody that can put you in a better position to make a team? I absolutely hate this question. Because <laughs> you know the answer. I hate this question. Yes, at the junior level, it can help you. I don't want to condone fighting. I don't want to say it's okay because I know the, you know, most concussions in hockey don't come from fights. They don't, not even close, like like a small percentage compared to all the concussions. So, um, but it is a risk, you know, and if you break your hand, it's like, was that worth it? But for me, it was the tryouts. I fought, I went to three try three, three years of tryouts in Omaha. Well, actually four when I was little. And I went to that one, like we talked about where I had no chance and I actually made it. Uh, and uh, I, fought, I fought two or three times at it. One of them, the one I told you about, one of them in an all-star game, because I just thought I needed to like do more. For me, it was like, I need to do more. I'll do whatever I can to make this team. I will do whatever I can. I am not tough. I don't really know how to fight. I'll do whatever I can to make this team. That was for me, and I think it helped me. And I think that kind of uh, showing how bad you want it will help a lot of guys if they think they're on the bubble. I mean, it just proves you want it. I don't want to condone fighting. I don't. But it is still part of the game. It's allowed. Um, So, you know, for me, if it's down to two players – and some guy out there is back checking hard all the time, forward checking hard, changing hard, uh, and, and he's willing to do that. Like that stands out to me. I don't know you. Hundred percent. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're looking for players that care more about the team than they are about themselves. And fighting in hockey, um, in most instances, but there are certainly some people who do it for themselves. But a lot of times, and and we can scope that out in a tryout, right? Like if, if we're looking at a kid who's showboating and going to center ice and flipping his helmet and doing all that, like, that's not the fighter we're looking for. (laughs) I'm looking for somebody that gets into fights because they're competing really hard and they just get into it because they're working really hard against somebody. And it's just a fire and a passion that comes out of them or somebody that sticks up for a teammate that got cheap shotted, you know? And, and I think that, there is a level of toughness that is not in the game anymore that I think a lot of coaches are salivating for uh, that just the kind of throwback type of player that will do anything they can for the team. And so I do think that is one way specifically in a junior tryout that, and, and I, again, I'm not talking about the, the six, four fighter that can't skate and can't like those people don't they they shouldn't be playing at those levels. They shouldn't be, shouldn't be, I shouldn't say they shouldn't be in the game, but because if they're trying, then they're doing what they can. And I don't want to, um, you know, talk badly about those people, but at the same time, like being competitive, it, it's a way to, show yourself and coaches are 
dying for toughness. They are. They're dying for toughness. <laughs> They've seen too many <laughs> skilled players that don't compete and aren't tough not translate to the next levels. And so I, I do think it is a way to, uh, you know, to elevate your status a little bit. I do. Yeah, I totally agree, even though I, I don't think kids should be fighting. If, if they made it like you cannot fight, then I'd be like, well, then obviously. Well, define kid. If we're at a junior tryout. I'm talking about juniors. I'm talking about juniors. Junior hockey completely made like you get a half a season suspension if you fight. Nobody's going to fight anymore. Um, so if those were the rules that are in play, then I'd be like, no, do not fight at camp because you're literally never going to do this. It's not worth half a season suspension for anyone. Um, but it's still in the game right now. It's still allowed. So even though I don't want to say it will help you, like, you know, it, it, it can help you. Oh, well, the other side of it too is what you said, and this is a deeper discussion that we don't have to get into right now, but he, he, you talked about very few of the concussions that happen in hockey come from fighting. The, there have been some egregious ones where, you know, you've had somebody that's died on the ice or gotten knocked out or, you know, bled all over the place and things like that, that that has happened. But a majority of the concussions don't come from the fights. And there is an argument to be made that fighting makes the game safer and there might be less concussions in hockey if the players can police themselves because now you don't have people going around and giving cheap shots and head shots and elbows to the head and elbows to the face and stuff like that, because there's a repercussion from that. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, the argument can be certainly made. I agree. I, I actually agree with that yeah. statement. I 100% agree with that statement. I, I literally agree. The game is better off at the professional level. I just don't know how I feel about it below the professional level, especially like, you know, junior it's obviously juniors i'm just like is it worth it right now and then you can't fight if you go to college hockey and it's just like you know does this make sense you know still minors most of them aren't going to play pro hockey so just from like a health standpoint but i agree the game is i feel like it's safer policed better when fighting is allowed but i just personally now um think it should only be at the pro pro level Gotcha. Interesting. I, I think at the junior level, it's good. I used to, I, I used to till I had four, 14 concussions and. But how I, many of those know, came from fighting? Probably two only. Oh really? Maybe. maybe and three. how many came from cheap shots? Uh, quite a few. Yeah. Quite like hits to the back of the head or, 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 you know, an elbow to the, to the face or something. So yeah, cheap shots, way more, way more, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, but it just, you know, I'm like, well, you, yeah, whatever. This is a long, this is a Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, we can talk we can about really this for hours. This, but, yeah. Maybe we should at some point, but this yeah. is not what this episode is about. So yeah. we can we can move on. Uh, okay, so hopefully the players that are out there got a good sense. I loved what Jeff was saying about going back and preparing for it, not just like mentally for the day, but go back five weeks, six weeks from the tryout and have a little bit of an idea of how you can train your body and train your mind so you're at peak capacity for when you go and then yeah i mean be yourself and uh and and compete be the best version of you and make sure you're working hard and you're competing the other thing too that i will say and maybe we maybe we can parlay this into the next thing that we're going to talk about from a scouting and evaluating standpoint you said a couple things and i can't remember off the top of my head now um because i've had a few concussions too (laughs) um what you said but there were a couple things that you said that the kids can really stand out what was it i said back check back check 
changing heart. I said those two things. Like I feel like those would just stick out to me if when I'm when I'm watching. So another thing that I would put in that category is communication. I think players that command and talk and communicate that really stands out, and that's something that we really look for because honestly, for for kids, even at the college level, when I coached there it's almost like pulling teeth at times trying to get these kids to consistently talk all the time, all the time. And it's just such a habit that can make the game so much easier. And, uh, and I just think by communicating, and again, it's a big thing because when you're in a tryout, you're not playing with players. A lot of times you're playing with players. Like if you're a D or even if you're a four, like it's not going to be the same guys that you're out there with the whole, every shift you're playing with different, but you have to talk because there's no rhyme or reason to what's going on out there. (laughs) And so there's no chemistry. There's no synchronicity. It's just everybody kind of out there for themselves. So the more you talk in a tryout, the the easier you're going to be on the same page with the players that you're out there with. Um, But it's also just like a command thing. You know, I think that's something that could stand out too. 100%. No doubt about it, especially because usually tryouts are not playing music. There's not a ton of people in the stands. So you can hear guys who are talking and see who it is very easily. So from an evaluation standpoint, it's very, you know, that's, those are the kind of guys I want. And again, these are three things we're telling you, parents to tell your kids or players listening that you can do that take no, no thought process, really just do it, just do it. And at no skill, you can be the worst player at the tryout to the best player at the tryouts. You all have equal opportunity of doing these three things. So if you're trying to stand out, these are three very simple things that you can do. And one more, I don't know how it was when you tried out. It must have been a little bit different, but um, I, f- I feel like it's been a hot minute. I'm 35. You know, my first junior tryout was when I was what, 15, 16, so 20 years ago. I feel like um, we had set lines and tryouts. And obviously, like a game, you're going to change and you won't always be out there with the same guys. But usually, I feel like we always had lines. And if you go to a tryout where that's the case and you're usually on the line and you don't know these other players, I would, this is something I just thought of today when we talked about this was going to be our topic for this uh, podcast, I would go to those line mates and just talk to them, you know, and talk to them between shifts. Hey, like, where do you like to be? Are you more of a shooter? Are you more of a passer? What, what, what are your strengths? Like, let's try and work as good as we can together because then we all look better because we know where each other are going to be. Or at least like, I know Tolf, you're a disher. I know on a two on one, you're looking to pass, you're looking to pass. So I'm going to try and really get open and not just think, what's this guy doing? I have no idea what type of player he is. Right. And I think that now, now you score, now he gets an assist. I get a goal. We both look better. We got better stats, you know? So I think that if you're at a junior tryout or a midget tryout and you're playing with the same line, and you don't know those players, familiarize yourself with them. On the bench, talk to them. Also, the coaches will see that you're talking and trying to like figure it out. That shows me you care. You know, That's another reason I want you on my team. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. And it's, uh, you know, it, being on the same page with the people that you're on the ice with, um, I think is a huge thing. I just think it's a huge thing. And we talk about chemistry on here a lot. And, and uh, you know, just having the ability to be able to do that, I think is, is good. And, and another thing that I want to talk about too, especially at some of these junior tryouts, whether it's major junior, whether it's USHL or whatever, even, even some of these major programs nowadays that are having some of these tryouts, there's a lot of coaches at lower levels of where that tryout is that are there evaluating. Right. And sometimes those those coaches are even on the benches because they have a good relationship with whoever that junior team is. And so maybe if you don't make that team, 
it's still a tryout for another team <laughs> and you're being evaluated by, by other people that are going to be out there. Like if you like, for instance, if you go to a USHL tryout, there's a ton of North American league coaches that are there that are looking to get maybe the last two or three cuts to maybe go, come and get them to come play for their team or go there's agents or advisors that are there that are looking for players that maybe they haven't seen before that uh, you know, that, might find somebody to, to be wanting to work with at some there's, point. There's colleges there. There's colleges there. Yeah, for sure. Like I was just at Tri-Cities camp this week out in, uh, in Vegas and there were a ton of college guys there and there were a ton of, like, it, there's just a lot of people that are, that are evaluating. And so like from a scouting and evaluating perspective, I mean, especially at the junior tryouts, whether it's major junior USHL, whatever, like there's other people that are there that are going to be looking at you too. You know, it's huge. Can we just pause this podcast for five seconds and talk about how genius Tri-City Storm are for having their training camp in Vegas? Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a college coach. Where am I going to go recruiting this weekend? Mm, like, Carney, Nebraska, no, Vegas. Okay, yes, I'm there. I'll watch hockey for a couple hours a day, and then I'll be in Vegas for the next four days. Uh, genius Tri-City, well done. <laughs> We had a good time. Um, I would say, so we actually flew in, uh, myself and, uh, and our 18 U coach here, Mike Monty, we flew in on Wednesday and we actually, we landed and we were like, let's go to the golden Knights game. And so we ended up just buying tickets. It was a little late to ask anybody for tickets. And so we just bought tickets and wow, what a show that is. Unbelievable. I saw your Instagram and I was like, Oh my God, there were tickets available. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we paid we paid a pretty good penny to, to get them, but how often are you? I was, that was actually my first time in Vegas. And so how often do you get a chance to go see a playoff game in Vegas? That doesn't happen very often. So that was awesome. How tough is that? This guy goes to Vegas for the first time lands and is like, I'm going to go watch hockey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Tough thing ever. No, no. We, I mean, we had a good time other than that too. So, um, but it was, it was good, but yeah, going back to it now, like what's another thing from a scouting and evaluating perspective that you think is, is really important. Like if you're sitting there as a coach and, and you're looking for a couple spots, what are some things? And we talked a little bit about it already, but like, what are some things that are non-negotiables for you that you need to see in players that have to be on your team that you want to see in the tryout? I think just battling would be the biggest one. Like obviously skill and, and hockey IQ, like those are, you know, the number one and two, like, are you skilled? Are you working with your teammates? And do I think you're reading the play well and you could play within whatever system uh, I'm coaching? Um, obviously, like we talked about at tryouts, there's not really systems or, or you know your line mates. So are, are the players, if I'm watching a player, is he reading off of what his teammates are doing? You know, and that has to go in with hockey guy key, but that's also just like paying attention and caring. Is he, is he seeing that as, you know, there's so many examples, but like, is he reading the players that are on the ice and is he making the right reads off of those um, plays? Cause I think that'd be really important in a trial where there's less structure and stuff like that. And the other one, like you, I mean, we've already talked about them, like battling, competing, talking. Do I think they're being a good teammate? Are they, are they like trying to like win the game? Like I remember in tryouts, I wanted to win every game because I knew that made us all look better on our team. Um, our teams like stay together throughout the tryouts 
in Omaha till the last game. And like, we wanted to win every game, you know, and that, that I feel like as a coach, I would want that. I want players out there wanting to win no matter what the drill is, no matter what the game is, no matter what it is, you want to win every shift. You want to win every battle. You want to win the period. You want to win the game. Amen. Absolutely. And the other thing, so we talked a lot about that stuff, but the one thing that I think for me is a non-negotiable too, is you have to be able to make plays. You have to be able to make plays, put yourselves in spots where you're going to get pucks and have the puck a lot, and then be able to make plays to your teammates when the plays are there. And nothing gets me out of my seat more, honestly, when I'm evaluating a, a game or a tryout than somebody who pulls up and hits a late guy coming up. I absolutely love that because to me, that shows an understanding of the game. And you see, and, and again, a lot of that is coached now. So maybe that's not such a hockey IQ thing. And a lot of that is coached, but at the same time, like I legitimately love when I see a player pull up Gretzky escape, shave ice, come back, find a late person for a scoring chance. Oh, that gets me going. Well, especially in tryouts too, where usually everybody's like a chicken with their heads cut off. Yeah. So like, it's like a show some even, poise, right? Like, yeah. It's an even more aroused situation and intense. And everybody's like, bah! and to do that in a tryout is like, wow. Okay. Like he'll be able to do that even more. So in a regular game, when, when the tensions aren't so high and everybody knows each other. So yeah, I, I, I agree. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, make plays, just make plays. Um, so I, I think, yeah, from the scouting evaluating perspective, again, the, the player prep and the scouting, but we kind of tag team that both with two. Um, so moving on to the next one, what we would like to talk about is how would you run your tryout? How would you run your tryouts? You're the head coach of a team or you're the general manager of a team. How would you, we're going to give you two days. What does the tryout look like? I honestly have never thought about this until you asked me, in the pre-show when we were talking right before you hit record. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I am not going to have an answer for that. Cause I have no idea. Uh, I was trying to think about it quickly there. I don't know. I think I'd probably start, say we brought them in whatever night, you know, Friday night. I think I would have like an off ice, um, not a workout per se, maybe like kind of like a dynamic warm up type of thing, stretching, um, you know, I'd, I would say as a coach that I was doing it to get their legs feeling good and the nerves out for the next day and to introduce them to my team's strength coach. If it's a, you know, older team or midgets and above, hopefully you have a strength coach. If you don't message me, I'll help you out. Train heroic. What's up. Um, but, uh, and I would do it to see who cared, who put, who, who was talking to their teammates, who was, you know, if, if the strength coach is in the middle and he's showing them foam roller drills, are the players actually doing it? Cause you know, there's going to be a bunch of guys not paying attention, goofing off. And I wouldn't tell the players that I was evaluating them. I would say it's lax or whatever. And I would just want to see how they acted when they thought no one was watching. I would also be hidden like somewhere like kind of uh, you know, that kind of thing. And just uh, seeing how everybody acts and, and what their personalities are when there's a no pressure situation. Um, and I'm not looking for robots. I just, you know, I'm looking for what I'm looking for to build my team in the way that I would have wanted built. And then after that, I'd probably have one practice, um, more so to watch a little bit more skill things, one-on-one -on -one battles um, and competing. Um, and then the rest would be scrimmages for me. So let me ask you this. So I want to take it a step further with your off-ice thing. Would you, 
because as you were talking about that, where I thought you were going wasn't where I thought you were going to go and where I want to go with this right now is would you do a really hard workout and see who quit Mm. or just see the body language, see who wanted to do it, see who, you know, was talking positively to their teammates. So if I was going to do that, I would do it at the end of the tryout because I wouldn't want to affect their hockey because you know, young guy, a young guy, you know, like you got invited to tryouts when you were like 11 in the USHL and made it. So like you have never probably worked out before, but the 20 year old who's there has, and he's going to, that workout won't affect his hockey as much as it will affect yours. And if you've never worked out like that and you get roasted, you're opening yourself up to injuries. So let me ask you this. I'm going to push back on that. So you talk about me being in the USHL at a young age, like I wasn't ready for the USHL at that age. And the reason why I wasn't ready for the USHL at that age, because I wasn't mentally tough enough and hadn't had the mental reps of the resilience that I needed to be able to succeed at that level. And is that not something that can come out pretty clearly in something like that? Maybe? Uh, No, it would come out in that. But for me, that could affect some of the guys, the way they play hockey. And first and foremost, I'm a coach and we're talking about coaches. You know, I think we're really talking about a lot of junior teams and I'm a coach that makes money and pays my bills by if I win or not. So I want to know if these kids can play hockey first because working out is secondary to hockey. Um, but I like that idea and I would do it after the last skate. I would do the warm up the first night. I would do the workout with the all-star teams where I'm p- really picking the team from and be like, we're going to pick the team after the workout. That's after the last skate. And then I could do it to them there. So then it's really, then their hockey's not affected. And then also you can do exactly what you said and you kind of get to have uh, eat your cake and have it too. Interesting. I, I think I'm actually liking this idea more and more as we're talking about it. I would do it at the beginning though. Yeah. I would for, for a couple of different reasons. One, let, let's just say we're talking about junior hockey here. I feel like that's a lot of the slant that we've been going yeah. uh, in this. Um, but it's a grind. <laughs> you have to be able to play three and three in three different cities and go on bus trips of multiple hours and get there two hours before a game. And and that's what you're kind of doing. You're putting them in this tryout in a situation where they're not going to be at their best and they're going to have to figure it out. And maybe even hockey sense comes out even more in that because now you have to think it a little bit more because they can't physically, you know, do it at that level because they're tired. Um, I, I think there might be some merit to that. And then I think the other thing you're potentially doing is for the kids that are going to make a team, you're setting a little bit of a tone as the coach of what the year is going to be like. And it's like, this ain't going to be easy. Like we're going to grind our way through this thing and we're going to have to do it together and it's not going to be easy. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I'm liking this a little bit more. I like that, but I'm going to push back on your pushback because, because, if you do it at the end where you bag that, those all-star guys, they're getting all of the same things that you said, aren't they? Because junior tryouts are an absolute bagger. There's usually, I don't know what it is now, but when we played, it was two games a day. Is it, is it that way still? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Typically. Yeah. So, so for me, like you're usually skating four to six times over two to three days. Like you're going to see the guys who are tired. Like they're, they're not playing. No junior teams play back to back two games in a day. And they sure as hell don't play four games in two days or six games in three days. So for me, you're already going to see that. I wouldn't want to add more stress to their body just from like a, 
physiological like standpoint like I, for me you could do that after and get all the same things that you said and see that in the workout so for me that and you don't you know that's just me i would do it at the end and i do like that idea because then you really see when they're smoked who's gonna do like oh but you know that's interesting i like this hmm. good talk well make with there's no right or wrong answer but making each other think, making people listen and think that's what we want to do. So I like it. I think if I was running a tryout and I had two days, I think what I would do is I would say the first day, and let's say we get four ice sessions in two days, right? Like each team's on the ice twice. I would definitely do one practice where it was, I think I would do a four D split and I would work on some specific skills. Like I want to see how a kid can walk the blue line. I want to see how a kid can break out under pressure. Uh, I want to see some things that I think are necessary hockey IQ things and necessary skill things from a defenseman or from a forward. So I think I would incorporate a little bit of a four D split into that. And then I would maybe do that for, uh, I don't know, a, a third of the practice, maybe a half of the practice. And then I would just put small areas and let's see who wants it more. I want to see you compete. Have to like, I don't want to coach people who don't compete. And if you're a good player, but you don't, compete in those drills I'm sorry like you've got a much less chance of making my team and so I think I would do some sort of small area not even I wouldn't even call it small area games because these are battle games <laughs> you know and then I think the rest of it I would do you know you want to see how they play in, in an actual game and uh, I think that's that's important too but I think setting the tone would probably do a little bit of a 4D split see some specific skills battle let's see how you battle and then let's see what you can do in an actual game love that would you i love that would you coach in the scale drills or strictly watch i would probably like to be out there but i I mean i mean would you coach them through like you know say you're walking the line demons walking the line and are you out there telling them this this is what we're looking for saying like keep your head up keep your head up you know don't cross over whatever your coaching cues are whatever you want to coach would you tell them that stuff or is it just like this is what we're going to do and i'm going to watch how you do it i'm not going to say a thing absolutely i would absolutely i would because again i want to i want players on my team that are coachable too so if i'm going up to a player and i'm correcting them or i'm giving them some input and they roll their eyes or you know they they don't do it the next time or whatever. Like I, I wouldn't like that. And that's not somebody that I want to coach, (laughs) you know, I want somebody who's coachable. And so, and, and I'm not saying don't ask questions or anything like that because you should, like if a coach comes up to you and you don't understand it or you need further clarification or explanation, then, then do that. But don't roll your eyes or don't think you're better than, than the coach, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And I, I think, I really love that. That's, I didn't even think about it from that standpoint that you, now you're assessing, are these players coachable who you're looking at, which is huge. But I also love that now you're also giving the players coming to your tryouts, like something back. Like it's not just to the kids who aren't making it, you know, it's not just like come try out. And, you know, if you're at a, if you're doing this and you're at one of the uh, showcases or what are they like pre-draft for a certain team, the coach is out there now, at least me as a parent, I'm like, well, I heard it such and such team. They're actually coaching in this one practice. So now my kid is going to get to learn some stuff from a junior hockey coach. So just from a business standpoint, if I'm a junior coach and a junior organization, I think that that makes a lot of sense too, because now when I'm looking to shop 
my kid, you know, where do we want to go this year where we don't know, or you're on the bubble. Oh, well, at least here you're going to learn something from the guy who's going to be coaching against you or for you. So why wouldn't I want to go there? So I think it makes sense from an organizational standpoint to give something back as well. Yeah. And, and a lot of the junior tryouts, like a vast majority of the players that are there are not going to make the team. So you're providing, like you said, a little bit of a service <laughs> to the players that aren't going to be there. And then maybe they're going to want to come back next year because they got something out of it. And maybe they are that player that know they're not going to make it, but they're there for the experience to get better uh, and showcase themselves a little bit. So yeah, I think there's, there's definitely some merit to that. Like it. Like it. I like when everybody wins. Boom shakalaka. There yeah. we go. uh okay so we talked about how we would run the last thing we want to talk about this is always something that's extremely controversial uh when it comes to the tryouts is the tryout dates and my little brother max certainly is one that is not very happy with the fact that the tryouts are where they are for a lot of the places in the u.s in it being in the spring Uh, like i was in new york for a long time and the tryouts are like literally two, two days, 48 hours after the season ends. (laughs) And so there is, you know, there's obviously a lot of angst that goes with that because in the, you know, the, the recruiting model of what youth hockey is nowadays, people are trying to figure out their teams in December and there's still three, four months left to play in the season. And that always causes a huge, 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 chaos like situation for a vast majority of the teams because there's uncertainty that comes to that if this player leaves what's whatever what's everybody else going to do and people are talking about that way too early rather than just enjoying the the seasons that they're at the other thing that we don't like it that we just talked about uh just the recruiting model that it is is like very i shouldn't say very few but there's a lot of teams that are picked before tryouts and kids aren't learning how to try out. And, and I think there is such a value in knowing and learning how to make a team, having to go somewhere, having to prove yourself rather than the entitlement of just being told you're good and we want you and being recruited, which I think a lot of people would argue is an issue with a lot of the kids that are coming up today. Um, so uh, what are your initial thoughts and we've talked about this, I think, a little bit before, but what are your initial thoughts on having the tryout so early in the spring? Or the I think school? it's an absolute joke. Uh, <laughs> I don't like it. I think they should all go to, I don't know, last week of August, just across the board for everyone, except for junior tryouts. I think junior tryouts should have to be, you know, I, I don't want to rank leagues, um, but maybe if they came to a consensus, I don't know, that would be pretty tough, but like, your top tier leagues should maybe be the first week of August. So like, let's say USHL, BCHL, I I don't know, whatever the orders are, you know, and then the second week, but that would be hard because they're all trying to battle to be the best. I don't know, like NHL, whoever else, you know, third week is like junior, whatever, a two or whatever it is, you know, um, and then your midget sounded out, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, you know, though there's, there's, it's so different than when we played, you know, there's I so know. many levels and there's so many freaking leagues, which is great. But like, I don't know what the, the ranking is. So like first best tier, first week, of August, second tier, second week, third tier, third week. And now you have midget tryouts and the youngsters below that at the very last week of August, because something I was talking about here is like, you got midget tryouts and junior tryouts are after them well how does that make sense we got to know who we don't know who's going to make the junior teams so now we got to fill spots up but we got to leave spots because we can't let the kids who 
are supposed to be on this team age wise, but might make it might not. Now they don't have a spot. Now what? Now it's crazy. Like what? This makes no sense. So I think at least youth tryouts should be after junior tryouts. That needs to happen. Yeah, that's true. It, it is. It's tough from that vantage point because yeah, like you can have a U16 player or a U18 player that might be on the bubble of making a junior team, but you got to fill all your spots, you know, in, in April, May, June, whenever the tryouts are. And then what if that person makes, you know, makes a junior team and there's another kid that wanted to play for your team, but you had to cut them and they had to go sign with another team. And now you have a spot open. It is uh, it, it is tough from that vantage point. The one thing that I would say, and this goes from the kind of like the idealism versus reality of what youth hockey is that we talked a lot about when we talked about being a hockey director. Um, if you're a, if you're a, a midget program, like if you're below midgets, put the tryouts in August, please like make the kids make the team. Um, hopefully that curtails a lot of the, you know, kids moving States and doing all that stuff at like the youngest ages, maybe there's a byproduct of that, but that's not going to happen either way. But so, but at the midget level, at the midget level, what you run into, especially for the community-based teams, so the St. Louis junior blues teams in Chicago teams where I was up in Syracuse before this is that you have prep schools and you have these new hockey academies that are recruiting your kids from December on. Um, and they can because they're prep schools or their academies and they're not bound by the USA hockey recruiting rules because they have a school that goes along with it. So as a local organization, you can't compete with that. Like you can't, you can't recruit your team because it's against the rules. Now, obviously does that happen for sure? Because none of the recruiting, like every, everybody will tell you like everybody does it and yada, 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 whatever. But it, I think it really puts the local teams at a disadvantage because if you're not picking your team till tryouts in August, <laughs> your team's going to be gone before it, it comes to August. So you, you almost have to have a pretty good blueprint of your team. So the kids will stay, and is that a perfect scenario? Absolutely not. But it gives you the local teams and the community teams a fighting chance against the prep schools and against the academies who have been talking to your kids since December, January. And I'm not, that's not slamming those teams because that's their job. They work for a school and they need to get the best players and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think you still have to give the community teams a fighting chance. So as much as it stinks and the, as much as I want kids to have to make a team in tryouts at their peak condition, which should be in August because they took the month of April, May, and maybe even June off to play other sports. <laughs> and then they, you know, ramped it up in, in July and then got into August, which is what it should be. That's what hockey development is. But again, idealism versus reality. We're living in a situation right now where that's not the case at the highest levels of, of youth hockey, you know? So there's just such a give and take and there's not a perfect scenario that that goes along with it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That is tough. Is there not a way to be like, well, you don't get to play any triple A teams if you, or double A teams to those prep schools. If you have, but they, they have to recruit because it's a school. Yeah, you got to fill the school, man. That's yeah, that is that's really tough. That is, <laughs> don't love that. Yeah, and plus, like out east, you know, you have these these kind of split season prep teams where the kids are playing for an actual prep school, um, and then they play on these split season teams pre and post their prep school, and those teams are formed, you know, early on because they got to get recruited and things like that. So it's just a, it's a 
it's a situation that I don't think lends very well to the actual development of the players. And I, <laughs> I've, I've thought long and hard about ways that we can, we can fix that again when we're talking Bantams and younger, like, let's do it. Let's put, <laughs> let's put the, the tryouts in, in August and let's make the kids be two, three sport athletes. Let's put the hockey bags away, um, you know, for a month or two after the season. And then let's ramp it up during the summer when it gets closer to, to hockey season and maybe do some tournaments or maybe do some camps and things like that. I'm not saying totally don't play hockey, but um, I think that's how it should be at every level, but there's a reality to, to the midget level, especially where now the kids are getting recruited. And if you want to have local organizations, you have to, have a team with kids signed on your roster or else they're going to be gone. Yeah. That's, yeah. That is tough. You're right. I mean, you guys saw it in St. Louis, right? Like you've, you have people coming in and, and, you know, recruiting your players all the time and, and, and it is what it is. So if you want to have a fighting chance, you got to have those kids on your roster because the more the summer goes, uh, you know, the more teams are going to maybe a, a, an Academy team, they have a kid that makes a junior team, Right. And so now they have a spot available. So where are they going to go to look for that player? They're going to go to another local organization where there's going to be kids that haven't signed their contracts and cards yet. So it's just a kind of a crappy reality to what it is. Um, but that's, I think, why the tryouts, some of the reason why the tryouts are where they are earlier in the spring, summer, rather than, you know, in, in August where they should be. Yeah, I agree. That is tough perspective right like you gotta it's one thing we talk about you gotta look at things from all angles and there's not a perfect situation or scenario you're right you're right you're right you're right (laughs) i try and i'm probably not right there's not a right or wrong i think that's one thing we've been very upfront about on this podcast is a lot of this stuff is opinion um and there might be opinions that are more right than wrong but there's always a perspective and there's always two sides of things and and uh being in it more and talking to more people you just kind of see the way it all works a little bit more and as much as you don't like it at times you got to play with the constraints that you're in and and do the best of your ability to make sure the kids are getting better and you're doing the right thing for the kids in those constraints hey amen i think that was the best thing said so that was the only thing that was 100% not an opinion it was a fact (laughs) oh gosh i like it all right man so tryouts tryouts is uh you know it's it's something that we wanted to talk about a lot of junior tryouts going on right now um but at the end of the day i think hopefully we were able to give you some perspective here on how to thrive in a tryout what kind of happens behind the scenes and what coaches are looking for. Maybe we can give some ideas for some coaches on how they want to use their tryouts and then just provide some perspective on the whole process that we're working with here within, you know, we're in the U S and then there's a trial process up in Canada as well. Um, and a lot of the battles that we're fighting here are the same that they're fighting up there. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we're able to give you, whether you're a player, whether you're a parent, whether you're a coach, a little bit of perspective on, uh, on what it is. I will say one thing too, and this is, I think a little bit more for the parents, um, coaches don't love parents who suck up to coaches around tryout time. Don't do that. <laughs> we can see right through that. Would you agree? I mean, that's like, that's something that I feel like is, a, I just don't do that. I remember my first year, I, I had a, a parent call me the week of trial, like two days before trial. It's like, oh, I want to get my son to start training with you. 
and it was a kid who had notoriously never worked out and didn't care about like didn't really like give a hundred percent effort and stuff and so i went to my head coach Barra, who we've had on the show and uh i just told him and he was like ah they do that every year every year right before tryouts they start sucking up and it was like just like so they looked at it as like we know what you're doing like you do this every year and then you don't follow through like fool me once fool me twice this is the third year like we don't believe you kind of thing you know and and you're right like i don't think there's anything wrong with talking to the coaches but like you know you see them but yeah don't suck up to them and you know don't 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 be those parents don't be the parent who says to the coach hey so i'm i'm not that parent but and then you say whatever that that parent parent. quote unquote yeah always says and you are that parent Oh yeah, yeah. So I just think that that's something. Again, as coaches, especially at the youth level, like <laughs> if you got two kids of, I'm I'm sorry. Like if there's two kids of pretty equal ability, and one's parent is high maintenance and one's not, ten out of ten times that coach is going to take the non high maintenance parent. I'm, it's just a reality, right? And I've told some stories about some parents on the podcast, good and bad. And, and you learn from those. And, and I think parents, the, the more low maintenance you can be, um, the better. But yeah, there are certainly those parents who <laughs> they're trying to play a certain angle or, or whatever. And you know what? There, there is one other thing um, that I forgot to talk about here, but I have it written down um, just in terms of like when the tryouts are before we kind of get off here. And that is one of the reasons, and I've talked to USA hockey guys about this. Like, I think one of the things that is a deterrent to having trials in August is there are some people out there that'll be like, okay, if you come to all of my clinics this summer that I'm running and you come to my 13 showcases that I'm going to, you'll have a much better chance of making our team, (laughs) you know? So now you got to pay, you know, however many thousands of dollars for all of these things, because you have to do it to be able to make X coaches team. And I'm sure there are parents that can empathize with that or have been in those kinds of situations. Have you ever seen that? Or have you ever heard about that? Like from some of the parents that you talk to? Yes, I have heard about it and I absolutely hate it. It's deplorable. (laughs) <laughs> that's all you got that's i mean it's just like <laughs> you know if you're doing it for the kid because you're trying to help the kid like that's one thing but i know who you're t- i know the type of person you're talking about and I, yeah that's absolutely ridiculous but like you know like you said reality versus um there's whatever. a lot that goes into it man yeah you know and i you used to be it, beating the drum right like right. i would talk to the usa hockey like what are you doing like why do you have tryouts at this time and and and, and it was always like <laughs> damned if i do and damned if i don't <laughs> yeah yeah and if, if i'm a kid trying to make a team and i'm a double a player i'm an a player and i'm trying to move up to double a or i'm trying to move up to central states i'm trying to move up triple triple a i'm going to go to those things because i will do anything i have to to try and make that next level that was me and you know so i i I see it, but I get it. I get it. You know, I'm not saying don't be that parent that, that gives in because I would have begged my parents if that was my shot, I wanted to have my shot. And then if I didn't make it, I didn't make it. But if that was something I could do to make it a higher team, I'm going to do it. So I get it. I don't love it from the coach's standpoint or the ones who are just trying to make money at their clinics and this and that. But if they're doing it for the right reason and they care about the kids and they're really helping the kids, then Okay, that makes sense to me. You know, it's you got to just know who you're dealing with, I guess. You betcha. You betcha, Sally, baby. What movie is that from? I actually don't know. Can I get a hint? Really? 
That yeah. is, it's a baseball movie. Oh, is it uh, League of Their Own? Nope. And then re re ro wo and then Gardner. Funky butt loving. <laughs> yes, of course. Rookie of the Year. Great movie. Great flick. Uh, I wish it was about the White Sox and not the Cubs, but it is what it is. Uh, God. All right. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode. Hopefully, we gave you guys some some tools or some perspective, at least as, as you're thinking about tryouts here. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, again, reach out to us, DM us on social media. Jeff Vecchio has a blue check mark in his Instagram profile. So you know how important he is on, on Instagram, but you can certainly shoot me a DM <laughs> or email me Tofer at the hockey think tank.com. Uh, I absolutely love when, uh, when we get feedback from you guys, if you have any questions, any concerns, any comments, feel free to reach out at any time, but we so appreciate your support for us. So appreciate uh, your support for our podcast and we wish you guys a happy day.